Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Yes, Overnight America for a couple more hours. And I read this one article. The headline is, unpaid internships are making our race and class divides deeper. So I'm going to read a couple of uh, takeaways from this it's an nbc affiliate in los angeles that did this write-up based on the backlash that a broadcast entity found themselves on social media because they were posting an internship opportunity for no pay now i'm going to be quite frank about my experiences with internships and i'm going to try to be as uh, open as i can because i've seen it from both sides when i was working in indiana we would have to you know, find ourselves in a position, can we afford interns? Because the company policy turned into, we can't have unpaid internships. There were a lot of people that wanted to come and do things for us, and we had to turn them away because we just didn't uh, allow, the company would not allow us to have unpaid internships. And I think that really took away from a lot of people's opportunities for experiences into this industry. So I'm going to ask this to you. I don't care how long ago it was. Did you have an internship and was it paid? And maybe the other side of the story is, were you hired by that company? What did you learn from that internship, if anything? 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. So two questions here, really. Did you have an internship at some point in your life and was it paid? So this is the story, NBC Los Angeles. There was a one article or at least one um one posting online, a job listing of an unpaid position. And this was what it said. Broadcast journalism students, exciting internship opportunity for you. Can you set up well-lit Zoom Skype calls, record, edit them, and want access to the league's top draft prospects? It's not with Bobby Belt, Texas, and I, but it is in the DFW area, so Dallas-Fort Worth area. Unpaid, great experience, inbox me. This is what the uh, Jane Slater wrote online, trying to give an opportunity for any people that may follow her or give an opportunity for people that may know of an opportunity and they're looking for things like this. Hey, here's what's opened up. That got a lot of people upset because they looked at that and said, uh, unpaid internship. They said only rich people can do unpaid internships. 
They said the problem with unpaid internships is that only people who can afford to not earn an income for an extended period would apply. Thus, you're discriminating against the poor because they're not allowed to do that. And they don't have the luxury of going out and taking an unturned, uh, unpaid internship. So when I was going to college, it was expected that one of your classes was an internship. You got school credit for it. And a lot of times, places I've worked at, they would only allow internships if you were getting college credit for it. And then later, after more and more of the tide started to turn with this, they said that you had to you had to pay interns. So the idea was if they're going to be doing a job that would require them to do something that a regular employee would have to do, then you would have to pay them. And the problem with radio or really any industry is that what you don't want to do is have to train someone for a three or four month period where you know you're not going to retain them. So you got to go through all the effort, all the time to train them. They might not be skilled enough to do it, but you're going to do it for their benefit because you want them to learn. But if you're a manager or if you're a worker, you're going to be looking over the shoulder the whole time. You're going to be double checking the things. It, it actually adds more work to the people around you. And on top of that, you're actually taking hours away from someone that could actually do the job because if you have to pay the internship, it means that someone's going to do that job. You're going to pay the intern who eventually won't be there. And then someone that might already be there is going to lose out on hours because you're not going to have two people do the same job. So the internship for me um, was something that was great. I actually interned for a sister radio station from a company. I, you know, I was already working at one station and then I interned for a different station. I didn't get paid for it. But I was able to use that experience to move down the hall, meet new people, and do different things with my skill set. And it was great. And it's it's a tough thing because I haven't seen an internship. I got to be honest. In the radio industry, at least here at KMOX and different places, I don't remember ever seeing an intern in the past four years. Why? Because a lot of it has to do with you're not going to hire someone for a couple of months where you know they're going to go away because it's associated with a school internship or something. To know that they can't, you know, it, they don't have the skill. It takes a while to learn the skill. You're going to have to train them to learn the skill. And then by the time they get the hang of it, they're gone. When you could hire someone and pay them to do the job and let them do it. So it's a lot of work for nothing. And that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is the people that would want to just job shadow, be in the atmosphere of it, learn, build the connections, network, try to get your foot in the door. All of those opportunities are gone. And the, the whole idea of the internship, if the idea of the internship is for you to get a running start, a head start, and have top of mind recognition and maybe an opportunity for a first shot of a job that may open up, all of those things are awesome things to consider an unpaid internship, but you just don't see those anymore. And I think that is really hurting a lot of students. So maybe you have a different experience with this. And maybe you went through an internship that was unpaid and you hated it and you think it's terrible and you want to call in and tell me why. It, it doesn't matter when you had it. Have you ever had an internship and was it paid? Tell me your experience at 314-436-7900. And David's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Good evening. Mm -hmm. I am a, I'm a college professor and I, I believe that the idea of the internship has been has been forgotten and lost, especially in the last couple of years. If you, if you know the idea of an internship is to do with everything you've just been saying, and that is to give you good experience 
and in a modern world, we're going to say the word networking, allow you to network to either A, say, yes, this is stuff I, on a basis, a very basic level, do want to do. You, you, you get, you're right, you, you're doing, in a radio station, you're doing super simple, basic tasks. Yes, they get, they're, 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 the, the stinky thing about an internship is they get the, the crummy job. But you get to find out at the base, at the core of what you're doing, are you learning what you think you want to do for the rest of your life? And are you making good relationships with people that you're doing it with that can come and help you later when you're ready to get that first job or and or career? Mm-hmm. Totally true. And I, I want to point out something else because I've been on the other end of this as a manager. I, you know, I managed a radio station before I came here to St. Louis. When we had uh, one intern that came through and it was a paid internship and I realized that it's, I had, it was almost like a Mr. Miyagi type of deal because when she came on, I said, okay, your first job is to take all of these photographs that we have in a box and I want you to digitize them. And that may seem like nothing, but what ended up happening was I said, now I want you to listen to the radio station. I want you to listen to these personalities to kind of get to know them. And then that led to, okay, you, you've heard their work. You kind of get a feel for it. I want you to try to write some news examples. And based on the experiences, it was kind of like a stepping stone type of thing. And I yeah. want to also point this out. Anytime someone has come in and done an internship, I will say this from a, a hiring perspective. If the person that makes that decision is able to see you're able to do the job and they know you can do the job, and they're ready to hire someone that can do the job and they already know you, that gives you probably a 95% chance of getting the job. It's, it's, it's so Absolutely. much more because, yeah, it, it helps you a lot because there's a lot of unknowns when you bring in people you don't know. You're basing them off of one or two interviews and you really haven't seen them in the field to know if they work out. But if they've been in the building, people like them, you can see they can do the job. That gives you so much of an opportunity to actually do something in your field. All of that is being stripped away. Well, I think. well and I'll, I'll give you one, take that one step farther if I, if I can and say, in my world, one of the things that I deal with talking back to the employer is they might not be able to do that job well, but the chemistry is there and they want to invest. Yeah. And I think that's the other piece that we're missing here is that there's still companies, large and small, that do want to invest in those young entrepreneurs or young students, those young adults, I'm sorry, who want mm-hmm. to get out there and be somebody in this world. And I think we're overlooking that. And that's what yep. the, these comments that are happening, I think people are forgetting that, no, 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 that's, that's a thing. Like people, there are large corporations that want to pour into young people today. Yep. And that's what they're doing. I get it. All right. Thanks, David. I appreciate your call. And not to be too hard on big box retailers or things like that, but when you're looking for an internship as a student, you're not applying at Walmart, you know, because you're like, okay, that's a job that you're not going to pick up anything there that you wouldn't be able to just walk off the street and someone would be able to train you to stock a shelf or something like that. We're talking about firms. We're talking about places that are, you know, desk jobs and take a certain amount of you know, training and skill to get to the point where you're good in that field. So those are the type of things that we're learning about. And you could learn a lot from people by being in that atmosphere. So what about your experiences? And David's right. Uh, He's right that when we talk about internships, a lot is being lost here. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 on Overnight America KMOX. St. Louis's weather station, KMOX. And welcome back to Overnight America. 
Yes, we're talking about internships. And I was reading this one article from an NBC affiliate in Los Angeles. And they're giving perspectives from different organizations that argue that all internships need to be paid. Um, Carlos Mark Vera, co-founder and executive director of Pay Our Interns, payourinterns.org, is a DC group fighting to increase the amount of paid internships across the work sectors. Um, and he said that the argument that interns should be happy to get their foot in the door just for experience does not hold up. Experience doesn't pay the bills. Well, I get it. The other thing is they don't, um, there really is no, there is no subpoena that forces you to take an internship, let alone anything else. And I think that it absolutely does give you a huge advantage to get your foot through the door in an organization you want to work at. If you are specifically targeting that, it gives you a huge advantage, I believe. What's your experience with internships? Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you tonight. Let's go to Michael. Welcome to Overnight America. Yeah, how you doing? I, I get you pretty well here in Pittsburgh. So uh, when I was looking wow. to you talk about internships, yeah. um, <clears throat> uh, I, I told your producer that I have somewhat of an interesting story. I think it was 1987 or 88. It was the summer I was um, in college in, in Maryland. And uh, I was already considering whether or not I wanted to go to different types of graduate schools. And I was uh, studying part-time also uh, while I was in Pittsburgh because I, I was traveling back and forth. I live here in Pittsburgh. Communication, mm -hmm. so I decided to get an internship at a public television station here uh, here in Pittsburgh. And mm -hmm. actually, you talk about uh, meeting people. I actually had an opportunity a couple times to bump into Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. Oh, wow. And, He's actually, he was in person. He was, uh, <clears throat> he was, he was down to earth. He was a much, you know, he was, it was like talking to him was as if you were seeing him on television, which is interesting. But wow. my experience actually, though, working at the public television station was that I, um, I did get a really good letter. Is it something maybe to think about as a, as a possibility of something for people to think about? I got a very good letter that I was able to utilize later when I did apply for some different, uh, graduate programs that uh, was signed by my supervisor, and mm -hmm. it was a very professional letter. It was on that masthead from public television, and it said a few things about what I had done and that I was a uh, professional person in the uh, in the position, yada, yada. So I think that uh, that was good for me to keep on my file. Oh, that's great. Did you ever run into the actor that played Mr. McFeely, the David Newell? I don't think so. I, I got the Life magazine a couple of years ago, um, when right around the time that Tom Hanks was in Pittsburgh doing the movie, and I saw there were pictures of him. Um, he's was he Speedy Delivery? Yes. Okay. Did you know him? Well, I had a good story because he is still active today with the Fred Rogers Foundation. And my son, when he was just, I think, two years ago, no, yeah, when he was four years old, we wrote a letter mm -hmm. to the Fred Rogers Foundation because my son was getting into Mr. Rogers and Daniel Tiger. Right. And he wrote it to David Newell because we read online that he still takes fan letters. So he wrote it. Mm -hmm. David Newell wrote back to my son in character wow. and sent him a box with T-shirts, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers sweater, CDs, wow. uh, things like that. It was unbelievable. They went back, bent backwards for him, and I was so impressed. And uh, I, I was just going to say, it was uh, the coolest thing um, that you could have experienced. And I, I just couldn't believe that after all those years, after they, yeah, they were decades very, very of being nice off the air. I, I think if I had one of the things that I learned from it, if I would have perhaps uh, been a little bit more 
uh, of initiator, if I had more initiative to do, you know, work when they were doing, say, let's say some kind of production stuff in the, uh, in the Pittsburgh area and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because I was really assigned to help uh, Xerox at that point and do different things in their office with some of their publications. And so I, I, maybe I would have, you know, I would have got my foot in the door a little bit more, but again, the experience was, the experience was good working there for me. And again, they wrote a really, really nice letter, and I, I think that that also sometimes helps to show that you you know you've been out there a little bit while you're in college. Right. Thanks, Michael. Good to hear from you. And I did have David Newell on the show too. We did an interview with him. Uh, I, it was an awesome interview. I think we spent almost an hour, and it's probably in the podcast section. If you go to the Overnight America podcast, and you can listen to that. This is before the movie came out, so this was just a few years ago. I was so impressed. It was amazing. Let's go to Robert, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Thank you so much. Um, I was an intern as a social worker going toward my master's in social work. And um, there you had to do 32 hours of field work. And uh, it was a requirement. And it was sort of like a popularity contest, in my opinion. I was not really popular in my social work, group work. I was in the group work sequence. And so I didn't get the best assignments. So I got whatever was left over, I felt. And then I had a problem with one of my um, instructors who was a Freudian type guy. And uh, anyway, and I ended up being counsel out of the school. And then they wouldn't give me credit uh, for my classes because they said that field work had to be in conjunction with the classes and then also i was married so it interfered with my marriage a little bit i ended up being divorced met a detroit girl and she um wanted me to work while i was working 32 hours a week and field work not getting paid and then she wanted me to work on top of that plus all my schoolwork. it just didn't work out Mm. With you, uh, and was this in the process of trying to get licensed? Is that why you had to put so many hours in, or was that just a requirement of the class? Uh, it was a requirement for the master's in social work, and uh, I never did complete it. But I did mm. do two full years, and I went to a lawyer, and I it was able to complete all the the work. But because they said a technicality, they said, they didn't give me credit for the classes because I had failed that one year. And even though I made up that year, it didn't count. So basically they said if I wanted to go back, I'd have to repeat the whole social work experience. By then I'd add it up to my eyebrows. Yeah. So I got out of it. <laughs> was this in Michigan or was this locally here? Yeah, in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Ah, uh, the Detroit way. I see. So yeah. uh, what, what are you doing now? Anything in that field? Uh, no, well, I was a child care worker uh, um, in children's division here and for the state of Missouri. I went back years later, and I thought I'd give social work another chance. And then I got in it, and I ran into a couple of black female supervisors, and I really didn't feel they were always on my side. So I decided to get out of social work. And huh. uh, now I'm in security. <laughs> Okay, so you bounce around. Thanks, Robert. Good to hear from you. You didn't have the greatest experience there. See, this might be a little bit different. I think when you're talking about something that needs training, like social work definitely needs a lot of training. Like 
yeah, I know it's not the exact same, but when you're a doctor, you have to put a lot of hours in when you're trying to become a doctor because you have to be able to experience these things hands on. I see social work as the same type of deal, a little bit different than broadcasting per se. You can only Xerox copy so many papers <laughs> before you got the machine down or you're the guy they call when the thing busts down. So what's your internship experience? I'd love to hear it. Good or bad. We've had a couple of good ones and one bad one. Three, one, four. 436-7900. Give us a call. I'd love to hear from you tonight. Your weather is coming up right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is in full swing nba playoffs are heating up and your nfl team is gearing up for training camp listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the odyssey app the biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Cardinal spring training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinals Open Live. Sponsored in part by Norm's Bargain Bar and Wilkie Windows. On your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Yeah, I got to be honest. When I took an internship, the one program director I did the internship with, I can't even remember his name. I don't think I ever spoke to him after that day, mostly because I was already working in the building through the other station. This was more or less just an opportunity to try to get a little experience doing something new, put the hours in. You had to do a certain amount of hours to get the college credit. That's what I was in there doing it. And it's amazing. It's um, 
I don't have the greatest memory, but there's probably a lot of people I've worked with that I've just forgotten about. And that's kind of a shame because I've been trying to, you know, figure that out. And so many radio people get out of the industry and they do other things. And you probably recognize that if you're just someone that frequents radio stations listening to them and you realize that sometimes it's transitional. We can't all be like Charlie Brennan, who's around for decades and decades, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s now. Technically speaking, it's a little bit of a stretch in playing with the numbers, but he has broadcasted on KMOX over five different decades, not four or five decades, but five different decades. I guess there's a little distinction there. So internships, unpaid, is it unfair? Let's go to Barbara. Welcome to Overnight America. Well, uh, every teacher has an internship for uh, for a semester, and they go to two schools usually, and uh, uh, they're certified then by the state of Missouri. So it's a college credit, and uh, mm-hmm. you have to, and then you get reciprocity in twenty states when you're um, when you have uh, uh, after you are certified in the state you're in. What do you mean by that? Um, can you well, explain that? What it is is uh, the state you're in, like I went to the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and uh, I got uh, to, uh, I got Central School to get certified in, and Ackerman School District, which is a special school district. And then uh, since I took so many courses in college, they gave me a lifetime certificate in teaching, and they gave me that I was, I was licensed in the state of Missouri, and then I was licensed in 20 other states. Wow. How long were you a teacher? Um, I taught, you know, part, you know, part-time, and then I taught as, uh, for a couple years. Yeah. And when was the last year you found yourself in a classroom? Uh, it was 1980. Okay, that's a long time. But do you still have the license? You could go back today if you wanted to? Yeah, I could go back. Uh, I have a license for life. Yeah. Why don't you? Well, I'm 70 years old right now, so I don't. I taught some kids, you know, like when I was uh, taking care of them. I taught some kids, and they were at the top of their class. So, and they graduated oh. from Melville High School. Wait, did you have them over at your house? Did you have like a dedicated area where you would help them get up to code? Yes. Oh, you know, my grandma did the exact same thing. She had this back room in a little chalkboard and then some kids that, you know, we were friends with that needed a little bit of extra help. My grandma would help them. So they'd go over to her house or whatever after school, a couple days a week or whatever. And that's something she loved doing. Yeah, it was fun. It was doing. And, and the kids, uh, they be, they were gifted. So um, they, you know, graduated high in their class. Mm, that's awesome. So. Now uh, you learn and you look back at that internship experience and things definitely have changed, but would you change the system if you were in control of it? No, 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 it was, it was really wonderful. It was really wonderful. And then I got a lifetime certificate and they don't give any lifetime certificates anymore. Ah, when did that stop? Um, it stopped like in, um, it stopped in, uh, 1980. Oh, this goes back. Yeah, the lifetime certificate. Yeah, that does seem a little bit uh, odd. Now, today, do you know how often a teacher has to recertify? Um, I think it's every two or three years they have to recertify. But yeah. I don't have to ever recertify since uh, I took uh, 21 hours of college every semester. Uh-huh. Talking about schools, I'm so proud of my son. Can I brag on him for a moment? Yes. Yeah. So he's six, he's in kindergarten, and he took a test um, recently, and 
it's like a 900 point test or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but he scored, I think, 856 out of 900, which puts him in the 99 percentile. I'm so proud of that little guy. Yeah, he's doing great. He just he's awesome. Going. He's super happy. He lo- you know, I love it. So they're doing some conferences with the teachers and things, you know, as the year starts to wind down, you get that opportunity to talk to them. And uh, we, we recently talked to his teachers and things, and we were just, we couldn't be more proud. Because the thing is, when you put a kid, uh, you look at them in the way they act inside the house with you as a parent, and you think, oh, please don't act that way in front of the teachers. And he's a perfect angel when he goes to school, but when he comes back home, man, he spent all of his good time, and the credits are down low. So by the time he gets home, he's ready just to let loose. Well, he's cute. He's a cute little kid. Yeah, a lot of kids uh, are like that, I guess. Barbara, thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Okay. Isn't that nice? A lifetime teaching certificate. It's almost like having a license for driver's license for life. I I don't know if there was a time. And even here at a radio station, this is before my time, but you used to have to have a broadcast, like a, a broadcaster license with the FCC. And some of the older broadcasters who have been around probably still have their card. You'd get a little FCC card to show that you passed the test. There'd be different levels of it. And there's other things, too, like ham radio operators, um, shortwave operators, things like that. They can get different qualifications and different testing. The highest level of qualification was that you would be able to know Morse code. It goes to show you things are a little outdated in that sense anymore. But that might be fun to learn sometime. I guess if I had to learn a foreign language... Morse code would be a fun one to learn. All right. What was your experience with internships? Did you have a good one or a bad one? 314-436-7900 is the number, and you can reach us right here. There's a few other things I wanted to get to. Um, Issues at the border are continuing to pile up, and it's not getting much better. Uh, ABC is actually getting on the Biden White House and I wasn't expecting this because let me play some of these clips for you, mostly because when ABC gets on it and you look at some of the other uh, other news networks who have primarily given them a pass on things. And they were just nonstop pounding the Trump administration on this over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden it's OK. Whoop, boop, 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 boop. They start whistling and looking the other way. Now they're finally starting to catch on and realizing that, wait a minute, this is a White House thing. And yes, you can criticize the Biden White House. I don't know why you're holding off for so long. The Biden administration conceding they need more space. Yet despite promising transparency, officials have not allowed journalists in to see the conditions themselves. The press secretary pressed on the situation more than a dozen times in Tuesday's briefing, refusing to confirm even those latest figures on children crossing the border. I'm not going to confirm numbers from here. Why won't you confirm that number? That's a very important number. Those numbers are tracked by the Department of Homeland Security, so I'm certainly, I'm just suggesting that you talk to them. Uh, Don't pretend like you don't know them. It's just because you don't want to answer the question. Uh, You're dodging it like everything else. You tried so hard not to say, I think I'll circle back to you on that one. Okay. And that is the uh, that that was what happened here in the briefing room yesterday. Now, there is a charge that we are continually hearing from Republicans. They say that overturning uh, Trump's hardline immigration policy signals to migrants that is makes it easier right now to cross the border under the Biden administration. The White House has repeatedly said, guys, that the message is do not come right now. But it seems given these numbers that we are seeing, that message is not quite getting through. Right, guys. So ABC brings this up and so does Fox News and Peter Ducey was in the White House briefing room and brought the exact same thing up. The messaging of all of this, you're, you're giving one message, but you're allowing it just to get 
worse and worse and worse, and you refuse to call it what it is. Does the White House think it's a problem that when the CDC tells these migrant shelter facilities that they can be at full capacity if they are careful about COVID, many of them do, but when the CDC tells schools that they can open in person at full capacity, many of them don't. Are, is there a school in particular that you have as an example that didn't do that? Are most schools in this country at full capacity with in-person learning? Uh, are, are is there a specific school, though, that is not following the CDC? What a what a cop out on that one. So he's very specifically saying the CDC gives guidelines for opening school. The CDC also gives guidelines for what these kids are doing at the border when they come maybe undocumented or unaccompanied, I should say. There's guidelines that you're following at the border, but you're not following those guidelines from the schools. Why aren't you uh, following those? Because the CDC's got them out there. Why are you selectively covering things and not other things in the White House? Uh, name a school. <laughs> Come on now. What the, the, CDC know, guideline, the CDC guidelines, just to be clear, because I think this is very important to be very clear and specific yeah, on. They, they gave eight mitigation steps that schools can take to safely reopen. But since they are not all back from an administration position or from your perspective, have the border patrol unions and the HHS unions been easier to work with than the teachers unions? I, I think that's a, a little bit of mixing different circumstances. Uh, I would say that- uh, it's, it's children all in tight quarters. Uh, I, I mean, a classroom- <laughs> but... All right, so they're saying you have these you know, it's funny because if this was the Trump administration, they'd be yelling kids in cages, kids in cages. But here it's uh, oh, it's such it's a beautiful five star resort or whatever they want to try to do it. But you're not allowed to look at it. And he points it out. He says, OK, you're talking about kids in confined spaces that you're allowing. And the CDC has regulations and guidelines on how they're handling the border situation with the kids. We can also look at the schools. Okay, you have the guidelines from the CDC and how they handle it in kids in small quarters. Why is it that you give a hard time and you're bowing to the teachers unions and giving a hard time for the return of schools on one side and you don't want to stand up for the kids, but you will stand up for the teachers unions. And then on the other side, you can say, okay, uh, anything goes to the border. It, it, this doesn't add up because you're talking about kids in a room together for periods of time. Not it's quite. Not, funny. Uh, uh, not quite. I, and she starts laughing and she, she's like, uh, Peter Ducey from Fox News. That's not funny. You know, we're talking about kids here. It's not funny. So I think they're starting to get a little bit of a dose of this. And good for Peter Ducey. I wanted to congratulate him on that. I thought he uh, did a fine job. All right. 314-436-7900. If it's not just Fox News that are bringing these sort of things up. It's also Good Morning America. Wow. Who'd have thought? Good Morning America caring more about covering this border story than MSNBC and CNN combined. What about Andrew Cuomo? They're not covering that all that much. There's there's some news there, too. Another woman came forward, and there's a flashback now about his take on nursing homes that I think a lot of people are looking at and saying, oh, boy, this should have been the warning that people were taking seriously back then. And why weren't we listening to those that were saying, hey, maybe this is a bad idea of how you're handling the nursing home. So hear his own words coming up after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Oh boy, Overnight America. Got a couple minutes here. What's the latest with the coronavirus and dr fauci was on uh, cnn i believe 
okay. How long till there's no more surges? Every day that goes by without a surge at the same time that more and more people get vaccinated, then we're getting closer to being safe from another surge. You never can put your guard down completely, which is the reason why, although everyone wants to get back to normal now, it's a totally understandable. Doesn't that sound like a wrestler, a professional wrestler? You can never put your guard down against the surge. Pyrotechnics go off, and then they start playing the intro music. Surge comes down the ramp and gets ready to fight Dr. Fauci. That'd be kind of a cool cool uh, thing to play out in the WWE. Though everyone wants to get back to normal now, it's a totally understandable, including myself and my family. But the fact is, when you look at this virus and what it's done, you've got to be very careful and pull back in a very measured way and not just turn the switch on and off. But we will know, I think, probably as we get into the uh, spring and very early summer, you know we'll have enough vaccine to vaccinate everybody by the end of May. Then we've got the logistic challenge of getting it into the arms of individuals. Once you get a substantial proportion of the population vaccinated, that is a very, very strong defense against there being another surge. Yeah, that's interesting the way that he words that, because when you read the headlines, the ones that favor Joe Biden and his administration, every time you read the headline, they gave you the impression that everyone's going to be vaccinated by the end of May. But really, as Dr. Fauci pointed out there, that's just when the manufacturing process, the stockpile will be at the point where they can. It doesn't mean that the process of actually getting it out to the people and administering it to the people will be done by the end of May. That's really important because all of the different websites that just fawn over Joe Biden, oh, he can do no wrong. He um, just basically wanted to put a little reality into this because the expectations are definitely not going to be met based on how they're setting it up to begin with. What about spring break, by the way? Whenever you get a situation where you're going to have people traveling to go to a separate location, where there's going to be congregate setting, a festive atmosphere, it's totally understandable that people want to do that. But that's something we really got to be careful of. We want people to have a good time on spring break, but don't put your guard down completely. Against the surge. You can never do that. Oh, the surge will cheap shot you before you know it, right around the corner. Oh, so there's a video that surfaced, and I haven't actually found when this was recorded, but it goes back to last year with Governor Andrew Cuomo discussing with a reporter about how they're handling the situation with nursing homes. And for the longest time, we've all criticized Governor Cuomo. I've definitely criticized him last year, and a lot of those in conservative-leaning news outlets have all can criticized the way that they handled this when it came to putting back sick patients, those with COVID, into a vulnerable population like a nursing home. And it was a terrible disaster. And we knew that this was bad. And for the longest time, we said this was thing. This was what not to do. And everyone still defended Andrew Cuomo. Oh, he can do no wrong. This is the model for the rest of the country. Why doesn't Andrew Cuomo run for president? He is so great. As they would say in the uh, 80s, gag me with a spoon. So Finally, we realized that was a bad idea, and it was so bad that he had to lie about it. And the FBI apparently is looking into it. I've read reports that the FBI is looking into the way he's handled this. Could even be criminal for Andrew Cuomo. So let's go back in time and listen to uh, someone questioning his methods. The state's saying that these nursing homes that, as you said, are private, have to take back these COVID patients. 
So that's a state mandate. How do you reconcile well, it's, those it's their patient. All right. So going in and pointing out state mandates that you have to take a sick COVID patient and put them back with a vulnerable population. And we know that those that were most likely to be hospitalized or over a certain age, we're talking nursing home age with other comorbidities. It's their patient and their patient that they're getting paid to take care of now contracts the COVID virus. Okay, now you have to take care of that patient who you're getting paid to take care of with the COVID virus. And what if they can't? Are they, then they if would you be, can't, be non-compliant with- well, Yeah, if you can't, if you're saying I can't take care of my patients, then fine, then tell us you can't take care of the patients and we'll make other, uh, we'll make other accommodations. Penalty for that if they can't well, if you can't run your business, you can't run your business. Penalty is your own. This is, you know, you're out of business. All right. So keep in mind, it was a state mandate. Now they're saying, look at that. The governor even threatened, we'll close your business down because it's a state mandate. You have to take it back, even if you know it's a bad idea. Not looking good for Andrew Cuomo on top of the other sexual harassment. It's Overnight America, KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.